Hello and welcome to Walk to Wellbeing, the wellness podcast from Health and Wellbeing magazine, sponsored by Sketches. I'm Daniela from Health and Wellbeing, and I'll be standing in for Holly for the rest of the season, where in each episode, you and I get to join someone as they go for a walk, eavesdropping on them as they talk about their own wellness journey. Each of our guests will answer the same questions, but the conversation, like their walk, might meander a bit as they go. After we leave them, I'll be joined by some of the magazine team to pick out the things from that walk that we want to put into action right away in our lives. Think about your answers to each question as you listen too. And if you'd like to record your own walk to wellbeing, you absolutely can. We would love to hear your answers. So head over to healthwellbeing.com to download the question pack today. Right now though, for episode nine, we're about to join health practitioner and author Maisie Hill as she steps out of her front door in Margate in March, 2022. Okay, I'm about to head out the door on this walk. And I always like to say things out loud. Have I got my phone? Have I got my keys? So I'll let you in on that. It does make uh, (laughs) the chances of getting locked out a lot less likely. All right, I'm good to go. Let's do this. So I'm very pleased to say (laughs) that the heavens are on our side because this morning we had a lot of rain here in Margate And now it's an amazing blue sky. So it's a nice sunny day. It's a bit nippy. So here we go. Now, let me find my first question. What gets you out on a walk? Mm. Well, I'll be honest, sometimes desperation is what gets me out on a walk. I have an about-to-be six-year-old son and sometimes we can all be a bit stir-crazy if we've been inside a bit too much. So sometimes there's just a very strong sense that we all need to get out of the house or one of us needs to get out of the house. So sometimes that's the kind of pushing factor. But where I live in Margate is just so amazing it's you know a few minutes walk and we're down by the coast so it's a real shame not to be out and about and you know it's such a small town no excuses not to be walking but we do have a car and a do drive around as well (laughs) um, but I love walking I always have um, I don't know trying to think we just never had cars really growing up so we just we always had to walk everywhere and at the time I'm sure I resented that I have lots of childhood memories of uh, (laughs) being really annoyed that uh, that we had to walk to school and all all our friends you know their families had cars and they got lifts or they were given money to get the bus and that wasn't something that was accessible to us when we were kids. So it was walking, walking, walking. But I'm really happy about that because now I love walking and I've got a lot of stamina for going on walks. So 
trying to bring that in with my son now as well. All right, how's it going? All right, I'm just going to cross the road into the sunshine. I'm on the shady side. It's a bit nippy. So although I live by the sea and those walks are glorious, there's, there's not many trees in Margate. And myself and my partner, Paul, we're kind of more woodland people, I suppose. We really like being in green spaces and around trees. So we tend to jump in the car and go to Blean Woods, which is close by. And there's a few other kind of wooded areas. But, uh, you know, that's where we like to go on our walks rather than uh, always the coast. I struggle in the wind. I'm autistic and uh, a lot of sensory things can really affect my nervous system and can be quite challenging for me. And one of the things that really impacts me is wind, uh, which is great when you live in a coastal town in the UK. <laughs> There's a little bit of wind today and we've just had the storm recently, so um, so I've been kind of hiding out a little bit from the elements, but um, yeah, I like, I like being in the woods. That's my place to go, especially, you know, this time of year, the bluebells will be coming out soon and oh, I just love it, really love it. All right, next question. Where's your dream walk? Oh, my dream walk. I've had some great walks, but my favorite one was the most challenging. Oh, actually, there's two I'm thinking of and they're linked together. So I'll tell you about both of them. I, a few years ago, well, a good few years ago now, um, maybe about 15 years ago, I think. I was going for a walk. This is all very walk related. <laughs> I was going for a walk on New Year's Day. It was early in the morning. Most people are in beds with their hangovers and my friend and I just said, let's just meet up and go for a nice walk. So we were walking along the Thames, going down uh, towards Kingston, past Barnes in Southwest London. And we were just talking about how great it is to walk and how much we both enjoyed it. And my friend, Helen, was telling me about how she had once done something called the Caledonian Challenge, which is, oh, I can't remember how many miles it is now. I think it's 54 miles in 24 hours along the West Highland Way in Scotland. And she told me about this and I was thinking, that sounds amazing. That sounds like something I'd be up for doing because I really enjoy a challenge and I'm quite ambitious and I like to kind of push myself at times. So I said, you know, we should do that one year. And she's like, well, we could do it this year. And I was like, well, when is it? And I can't remember. It was maybe June, I think, because they time it so that because you do it overnight, they do it at the point in the year where you have the most light which is June, that's when the, the summer solstice is. And I was thinking, but it's only January, like how are we gonna get enough training in between now and then 
to be able to do this. And she was like, it's what I did last time. We could definitely do it. And so we just decided, okay, let's do it. And to do it because you're climbing overnight and the terrain can be tr quite tricky. You have to do it in a team. You can't do it on your own or as a twosome. You have to have at least four people in a group to do it. So we got a group of kind of quite random people together and we did it. But that also meant we needed to do a lot of training in the run up to it. And, you know, one of, one of the best ones we did for the training was the Yorkshire Three Peaks, which is all three peaks in 12 hours. And I mean, <laughs> talk about walking. I can remember going to bed. I'm just stopping in the street now, just remembering it. I can remember going to bed that night after having the most amazing venison pie in the local pub at the end of the trail. And I got into bed at the Airbnb we were staying in and I closed my eyes and all I could see with my eyes shut was my feet still walking in front of me. <laughs> because that's the view I'd had for 12 hours straight. And it's also where I got a bit of a dodgy right knee from. Um, so, you know, I've needed to tend to that in the years since. But, I mean, if your right knee's going to hurt and bring back a memory of some kind, that's the kind of memory that you want it to be from. So, um, yeah, so they, they were my favourite walks. And I think I'd like to do more long distance walks because, you know, since then I went on to become a mum and I've been very focused on my work and on writing both of my books period power and perimenopause power running my business so I think the walking has taken a bit of a back seat with all of that going on but I'd really love to do another challenge of some kind and I just you know my son's getting big enough now where I think we can start you know going on walks together and getting him involved as well so that's what I'd like to do all right, question three. What does switching off look like to you? Mm, is it important to disconnect or is that the wrong way to think about it? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, that is interesting because for me, disconnecting is about connecting. So it might be disconnecting from technology disconnecting from work but you know often when we do that what we're really doing is reconnecting with ourselves and reconnecting with those around us um and there's some other prompts on here how selfish are you able to be in your life i'm really proud to say i'm very selfish uh in the best sense of the word i am really great at taking care of myself and it's it's taken me a lot of work over the years to get to that point where I can do that without apologizing for it without explaining myself to other people you know without justifying it uh, to just be able to take care of me and the more I'm able to do that the more it benefits everyone really um, so it's interesting again <laughs> that duality of when we do something that is quote unquote selfish, what we're actually doing is taking care of not just ourselves, but everyone else and 
the things, the relationships that are important to us. So I'm a big fan of embracing being selfish. I don't see it as a problem. I've managed to end up in the shade again. Right, here we go. Ooh, I love this question. Who's really nailing their well-being in your life? Well, I've, oh, look at this. So I'm just walking through, before I answer that question, I'm just walking through one of the squares in Margate and uh, there's a little library where you can take one and you can leave one. Um, and it must be new because I've walked along here before and I haven't noticed it. Uh, so that's good to know. Let me take a peek inside. What have we got? Oh, it's fully stocked. Oh, we've got all sorts happening in here. Oh, a bit of James Patterson, Patricia Cornwell. I'm quite into the crime writers uh, and I don't really read enough fiction. I've got, because of my work and my books, I do um, a lot of reading, but it's all non-fiction and reading research papers and <laughs> looking at the data and things. It's less getting lost in some fiction. So I'm going to have to return to this at a future time and drop one and take one. What a great discovery. This is actually, I'm walking down, this is a road that my mum uh, used to live on. She, she my, well, my whole family moved to Margate. My dad moved here, I moved here with my family and then my mum was living in Cyprus at the time and she moved here and she lived here for the last six months of her life before she died. Um, and this is the road where she was living on. So I didn't think I was going to be going there with <laughs> when I was doing this, but that's part of my Margate story is um, getting to see my mum and spend time with her before she died. Um, all right, back to the question, hey? <laughs> Who's really nailing their well-being in your life? Oh, well, I've got to give a shout-out to my clients, I have to say, because I have an online membership, so we have lots of members, and there's a huge focus on working with your cycle and your hormones, and coaching yourself, getting support and getting coached by others in order to prove your cycle and to improve your life. And we have a weekly wins thread every Friday. And I'm always so inspired by the members, my clients, and all of the things that they are implementing and, you know, all the, all the successes that they're having and all the things that we get to celebrate together as a community. So, you know, although they're using the resources and the coaching that, uh, that they get access to as part of being in the community, really they are the ones who inspire me and it's just this beautiful back and forth relationship where they, you know, make changes in their lives, they go about things differently, they learn how to self-coach themselves and then they come back on Fridays and they share their successes and their wins and, you know, they get to practice taking up space, being seen, 
can be, feel quite uncomfortable, um, especially to begin with. And then they just get in the habit of celebrating themselves and not looking for validation from others. Um, and it's just really incredible to see because the ripple effects of that are, are huge. So yeah, I'd have to say that it's my clients who are really nailing their well-being. They inspire me again and again. So I'm just walking past what is known locally as the pirate playground, the pirate ship in Margate. And it's all closed off at the moment because the local council are uh, demolishing it and apparently rebuilding another one. And there's uh, been local uproar as to why they couldn't just update what is already there um, instead of pulling out all the all the shrubs and the trees and things. So we'll have to see what happens there. I have my doubts. <laughs> okay. Oh, and I'm just coming up to the Lido as well. It's kind of, uh, if you see pictures from Margate, you'll see the Lido. It's like a, a column that marks it. It's pretty dilapidated around there. Margate is uh, undergoing gentrification, regeneration, however you prefer to look at it. Uh, so it's, um, it's an interesting mix of places that could do with a bit of uh, structural support and a lick of paint and other ones that are kind of been areas that have been addressed and improved already, although some people would debate if they have been improved or not. But I'm looking out to sea now. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of wind where I'm now kind of coming off of the more, more exposed area of Margate. Okay, question number five. When you're feeling stressed, how do you combat your triggers? Mm. Well, I do all sorts of things. Uh, I mean, I'm a coach, so I coach myself and I just look at why something is affecting me. You know, what is it that's bothering me about it? And, you know, is there, a, is there another way I can think about it that is more useful and is more kind towards me? Uh, and I, I, I spend a lot of time just feeling my feelings, whatever they may be. And instead of trying to avoid them or, you know, stuff them down, I just really experience them as they come up. And I think when people hear that, they tend to think, I mean, like going in the bathroom and crying and being by yourself. And whilst it can be that, I just mean going about my day and just experiencing an emotion and, and just letting myself feel that, whatever it may be, whether it's annoyance or joy, um, frustration, doubt, a bit of insecurity perhaps. Uh, and I just let those emotions come up and I don't, I don't make them a problem. And I think that's a, 
a huge thing that makes a big difference. I'm all about self-compassion, kindness, you know, towards ourselves because we're so good at judging ourselves and criticising. Uh, so I like to do all of that. And I'm a real nervous system geek as well. So I've done a lot of nervous system training, polyvagal training, uh, which has been really helpful to me, especially in terms of you know, being autistic, because I am prone to nervous system dysregulation. All humans are, but, you know, <laughs> I think particularly being neurodiverse, you can be more prone to these things. So I do things that help to regulate me, and sometimes that's going out for a walk, sometimes it's lying down. Um, there's all sorts of things I do, really. Um, even just like squeezing my hands together that can feel really good and just help to help to regulate me and sometimes I just like to have a, a bit of a chat with a friend but most of the time I do like um, a bit of peace and quiet and a bit of calm time on my own I'm a big introvert I love my own company so usually when I'm starting to feel stressed the best thing I can do is just lie down be on my own be with myself process my emotions and look at if there's this, yeah if I can think about things in a different way that is more kind and more helpful uh, okay so I've got to uh, my favorite place to get caffeinated and to eat in Margate and it's a local cafe called Forts they do amazing coffee and food they have award-winning baristas working in there so I'm gonna pop in and uh, get something because my fingers are a bit cold because it's a bit cold out here hiya mm, what am I gonna get what time are we on I'm thinking is it too late for me to have a bit more caffeine I think we're all right. Can I get a batch to take away, please? Yes. And I think I'll take one of those lovely cookies as well. Thank you. Oh, it's lovely and warm in here today. Thank you. Hiya. Perfect, thank you. Hello. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Oh, back out into the cold. Now I'm trying to decide which way to go. <laughs> I think I'll... It feels like it's going to be windy whichever way I go, so let's head down to the seafront and along along to the main sands, Margate Sands. So if it's going to be windy, may as well be by the beach. <laughs> is I can remember being pregnant with my son 
and uh, I just started having this urge to see a horizon and I was living in Peckham in South East London at the time and there's there's so many amazing green spaces and great parks and great walks around there there was a couple of places you could get up the hill and see the horizon of the city like of London but I just really wanted to see a natural horizon and I just had this overwhelming urge to move just so I could see a horizon of some kind and that's one of the things that prompted us to move here was just that <laughs> that urge <laughs> and now I'm here walking along and it is incredible to always be able to see the horizon and I often think about what it was like here decades centuries ago you know to just be looking out to sea and suddenly see a ship coming because although we're used to seeing them now and there's several large container ships always dotted around the, the coastline here waiting to take supplies and things up to the Thames and back and forth I just think what it what it would have been like centuries ago to suddenly see a ship appear and I just love having that that horizon because no matter what the weather's doing I do think there's a very expansive feeling to living here and this is something I know about from looking over research papers is there is such thing as um oh, i can't remember what it's called now cathedral it's the oh it's called the the cathedral effect and the cathedral effect is when it's been kind of documented for centuries be if you walked into a cathedral just the expanse of it changes how you think because you have all that space that's up above you and of course the biggest cathedral is the sky <laughs> and this is why I love well one of the reasons why I love walking so much is because there is that cathedral effect and when I'm thinking about things when I'm coming up with concepts and tools to share in my books or on my podcast with my clients so I like to in those initial stages of figuring something out and trying to think of a way to teach it, I like to go for a walk. And now I know it's because of that cathedral effect, you get to have that really expansive thinking. And I'll give you one of my top tips <laughs> for being in a relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship, a familial relationship, is that if there's something important to talk about, go out for a walk because when you're walking alongside with someone you're in partnership with them you're connected to them but there isn't that confrontational aspect that there can often be if you're sat across the table for, from them for example uh, so there's a lot to be said for doing it that way but I also think the other reason it helps is because we're more open we're more open to hearing what they've got to say we're more open to considering someone else's perspective. So that's one of my top relationship tips for you. 
Okay, so I'm, I can see the Margate main sands from where I am, from this viewpoint. And I'm just coming up on the Turner Contemporary Gallery and the pier, the Margate Pier. And I'm just checking out what's going on with the tide. Looks like it's turning. Yeah, looks like it's just starting to turn and head back out. And I can see Rakolver Castle in the distance. Which is like a dilapidated castle. It's got a good playground there for kids. All right, question six. When was the last time you challenged yourself to try something new or different? Hmm. Well, I'd say I do this a lot. You know, I have my own business. I'm an entrepreneur. My business is growing. I'm hiring more people to work for me. Um, so I am someone who I do like to kind of be continually stretching myself in new ways so I'm often having you know not having choosing I'd say to give something new a go and that's something I like to embrace is the idea of failing forwards and of you know wanting to achieve something create a certain result in my life and I think the the quickest way to achieving something is by embracing failure and being, being willing to fail your way there uh, because I would say I'm a, a recovering perfectionist and perfectionism is can be such a killer you know it just if you're constantly worried about getting something right doing it the right way doing it perfectly then you rarely get anywhere and make any progression, which is such a shame. It can really impact someone's life and really hold them back. So I try and uh, try and go in at the deep end there. I'm trying to think, what was the last time? Hmm. Something that I really struggle with, it's quite common among people who are autistic, is I don't like making phone calls and I will often need to rehearse what I'm going to say or I'll script what I'm going to say. Um, I don't know what it is about phone calls, but it just, yeah, it's, it's always been challenging for me. So I, yeah, I just avoid them. But the other day, I'm really proud of myself. I called up and ordered a takeaway. <laughs> and usually I ask my boyfriend to do it. Uh, but I thought, oh, I feel up for giving it a go. So I kind of psyched myself up a little bit and I did it. So I'm really proud of myself for that. I think it's a good example of how there's often things that are easy for some people and they can do without much consideration or consequence. And then for other people who are, yeah, they're just different in, in some way. We're all different. It doesn't have to be about neurodiversity. There can be things that are uh a lot harder so yeah that was the last thing i did so it wasn't wasn't new or different but it was something that was challenging for me to do
Question seven. When's the last time you cried? Yesterday, actually. So yesterday I was talking with a friend and a colleague of mine who lives in, oh, what's the name of the town she lives in? It's in Kentucky. Oh, cannot remember the name of the town. <laughs> but it's in Kentucky in America. And we were having a conversation and she was saying how one of the things that she really admires about me is my ability to feel things as in to experience my emotions and she was recalling the time in January when we met for the first time because a lot of my colleagues and close friends I only know online they live in other countries we've never met in person but we know each other really intimately we've supported each other through all sorts of stuff in our personal and professional lives um, and we all got together at, at an event in January over in Kentucky and I got to meet some of some of my closest friends who I've never met in in person before and you know we just know each other through calling and uh, talking over zoom those kinds of things and uh, I got to meet them all one evening and I just couldn't stop crying <laughs> every person I hugged sort of just would start crying again and it was just so meaningful I think particularly you know because of the restrictions and the impact of the pandemic to be able to come together like that and you know you suddenly realize oh you're tall <laughs> or oh you're short because when you get to know someone through a screen you you know usually don't have any sense of what their their height is or uh you know other things that you would know about someone if you were used to seeing them in person so she was just reminding me of what that night was like and it just brought back brought back those happy tears again all right next question what's one recent little win you're happy with well like i said i have quite a strong practice of celebrating things Oh, let me think about something recent. Oh, well, I have to say, <laughs> it's, it's my son's birthday uh, next month. He was born with the arrival of spring. So, yeah, he, his birthday's coming up soon. And I ordered his uh, invitations for <laughs> his birthday party. So he's turning six and he hasn't had a birthday party before we managed to get away with not doing them for the first few years of his life he didn't really know what they were and then he found out and we booked one for his fourth birthday party and kind of basically uh the first lockdown happened came into effect uh, well, it was due to come into effect the next day and we decided, you know, let's go ahead and cancel it. It doesn't feel like a, a wise thing to go ahead with it. 
so he didn't get to have that birthday party and then he didn't get to have one after and you know it was quite sad you know the first few months of the pandemic and after he turned uh four gosh it seems like so long ago but he's just turned four and spent the first few months just crying and saying i want to be three again because of course the moment he turned four was when life for him really changed and he wanted to go back to being three to when you know he could see his mates and go about life as normal so it feels quite momentous that we get to do this so i'm proud of myself for ordering the invitations because that's not the kind of thing that is my strength i would say <laughs> so the fact that i did it and that i managed to do it um, a month in advance of the actual party that feels like a big deal to celebrate along the main sands now along up towards Margate train station and past Greenland which is uh, kind of it's one of those old um, what would you call them <laughs> I can't even think of the words I have to tell you when I get there to remember what <laughs> what these places are called Oh, so I'm at the point of my cycle. Uh, my period's due to start soon. I can t I can really feel it. The kind of hormonal that the hormonal drop off that happens in the run up to someone's period starting, because the hormone levels decline, and hormones impact everything. You know, your mood, energy, your behaviour, and they also impact things like memory and verbal recall. So I've managed to schedule this recording for the day <laughs> when I have the one of one of the days of my cycle where I have the poorest verbal recall, which is why I'm kind of forgetting words that wouldn't usually escape me, but right now they really are. Here we go, Dreamland amusement park. That's the word. They've got all sorts of rides in there. So I'm just walking by that now. Oh. Question nine. What's the biggest life lesson you've learned in the last year? biggest life lesson for me has been the importance of slowing down because when we're rushing when we're rushing to get to another place in our lives when we're rushing to achieve something rushing to create something it's very often coming from 
this belief, whether it's conscious or unconscious, that there, as in the place in the future, is going to somehow be better than where we are now. And this is something I see in my clients all the time, is this kind of urge to hustle and to change things. There's nothing wrong with wanting that, with wanting to change things, wanting to have a better life or a better experience of your cycle. I'm all for that and you know, that's something that I strive for myself as well. But it's how we do it and how we go about it. And I think so often we're under the impression that when we get there, when we do that thing, when we have that success and that achievement, that it's like we're going to just walk through a door and be in a different life where everything feels great. <laughs> we just, our minds are like a better place to be. And yeah, we just think like life is going to be different for us. And it is different because you, you know, created a different life for yourself, but your brain will come along with you and you still have the same thoughts. You still have the same emotions unless you've addressed those along the way. But my point is, you know, you don't stop being human. No matter what changes in your life, you still you're still you, you still have your brain and so I think I've, I've really noticed that for myself and, and in doing that you know I just I don't need to rush and you know much the same as going for a walk the idea isn't you rush <laughs> to get to the end of it point of it is you experience the walk and you enjoy the walk so it's similar in that way and because of all of that I have been able to slow down and you know there were years where I did really push myself I had these tight book deadlines to write both my books and I was able to do that and but now I'm going about things very differently and I really am slowing down and I think there's also a misconception that if you slow down you won't get as much done and I've actually found that not to be the case I find that the more I slow down the more I am able to do because I'm more focused my efforts are more concentrated and I just go about things in a different way I'm more focused on who I am as I'm doing these things rather than what it is I'm doing and uh, like that's been my biggest lesson really is just this I mean it all you your brain might resist this and think nah that can't be true what is she talking about but basically what I'm trying to say is the more you slow down the more you're able to speed up and for me that's been the case of the more I slow myself down somehow more stuff gets done and it's done more effectively uh, more simply more powerfully so yeah it's it might be a, a, a tricky one to wrap your head around as you're hearing me say that now but i would encourage you to think about how that might be true for you how could it be true that if you slow down 
something will also speed up. Because usually, if you're anything like my clients and the people that I talk to, you're rushing around, doing lots of things, maybe feeling overwhelmed and just like you're trying to spin all the plates and like if anything else gets added, it'll be the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I think because of that, we're just, if you're existing like that, then, you know, you don't have much energy and it's being spread too thinly across all these different areas and all the different responsibilities and roles that you have in your life. Whereas you just start kind of stripping things back and doing the things that really matter, the things that are most important to you. And listen, that's, it's no simple thing. I mean, I'm saying this like, oh, you just need to do that and do that. It does require skills. It requires skills like stopping people pleasing and being willing to have conversations that maybe you don't want to have and saying no to people who might challenge you and to be addressing all the expectations that you have of yourself, that society has put on you, that people around you have, you know, so it requires some skills. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. But if you can stop doing so much, it makes such a big difference to your hormones, your health, uh, and it means you can put more, more into the, the things, the parts of your life that matter the most to you. And the tide is making its way out and there's just a slither of sand that I'm walking along by the steps, Margate steps, just alongside the pier. And I was just having a glance up to see if, if Boondocks Vintage is open, which is a great vintage clothing store on Margate Pier. It's where I got the very warm uh, coat that I've got on currently. So I was thinking I might have a, a little pop in and, and see what Mia's got, but she's shut, so I'll have to be another day. Right, I'm on my final card now to complete the following sentences. Being healthy, mm, being healthy for me is feeling at home in my body and feeling at home in myself, in my mind. It's not about a picture-perfect, Instagram-worthy body image. It's not about, you know, an Instagrammable breakfast or perfect meal, anything of, of that nature. It's just being in, in my body and feeling safe in myself in terms of nervous system things. You know, safety is such a big thing when we feel unsafe. We're unable to connect with ourselves, with the people around us. 
and so many people do exist in stress responses where their their body's telling them that they're not safe so for me yeah feeling feeling at home in my body and feeling at home in my mind too and that doesn't mean always being happy and delighted with the world and what's going on in my life because I'm a big believer in life is always 50-50. Half of the time it's great, half of the time it's not. And I think my mental health has improved so much in recent years and I feel so mentally resilient because I do really accept that. And yeah, and I'm okay with it being that 50-50 and I know how to be kind to myself no matter which which half of it I'm in. So that's what being healthy is to me. Ooh, now this is an interesting sentence to finish off. Well, I suppose it's my penultimate one. I most me when. Mm. Mm. Oh, this one's stumping me. I most me. I think the reason that this one is kind of stumping me, oh, just walked into a sunny patch that isn't particularly windy, so I'm just going to hang out here. <laughs> the reason this question, or the sentence rather, is stumping me a bit is because, you know, I'm, I'm 41 and I'd say the last five years of my life maybe a wee bit before that, I have really embraced who I am. Whereas in my early 30s, perhaps, definitely my 20s and certainly in my teen years, you know, I just, I don't think I was settled in who I was. And I was, you know, I had mental health issues I didn't know I was autistic. That's only something I found out about a couple of years back and was a great shock to me to discover, but now makes so much sense. So I didn't know I was autistic. I had some mental health issues. You know, I, I wasn't tracking my cycle until I was in, in my early 20s. And, you know, of course, I'm, I'm grateful now. Oh my goodness, 20 years I've been working with my cycle in, in some form or another. And I'm very grateful for that. But prior to that, you know, it's like this way of understanding myself that I didn't have access to. It's like there's a map, a key to you that you haven't, no one's given you. And then when you do start to work with your cycle, and by that I just mean tracking it and getting to know, you know, how your hormones impact your mood, your energy, your behaviour. And once you start doing that and you do it for a few cycles, it all becomes quite predictable and you do 
you can it's like knowing the weather in advance and the weather report isn't always entirely accurate <laughs> but for the most part it gives you a bit of a sense of what you can expect and this is what I go into great detail in my book and in the period power card set because when you have that sense of things you can to some degree plan your life around it and you know that's going to vary from person to person and even me who you know preaches this work and lives by it and has done for a long time I I still can't entirely plan my life around what's going on with my cycle I can do it to some degree uh, and that's a bit like knowing the weather you know if it's going to rain you might decide to cancel your plans to meet a friend and do it another day but most of the time you've just got to crack on but if you know it's going to be raining then you dress appropriately hopefully you take an umbrella or you you know wear your waterproof trousers whatever the case may be and it's the same with the cycle you know sometimes you'll be able to change your plans if you're feeling like you're maybe a bit introverted and want to stay at home or the opposite direction if you're feeling very social and you want to go out and hang out with people then you can you know plan for that in terms of your cycle and your calendar but other times you know you do just have to crack on but if you know if you have that sense of yourself and what you might be feeling like what you might be up for what you're not up for things that are going to be easier for you things that might be challenging at certain moments in the cycle then at least you know that right and you it just makes life so much so much more easier because otherwise what we tend to do is beat ourselves up for it because we don't know what's going on we don't realize it's the influence of our hormones and we just make it we just think that we're a problem basically and that you know why why can't I be like I was last week when I had loads of energy and I felt really confident and I was quite social and I was really productive with my work as you know a few days later let's say you ovulate and your hormones shift because you're now in a different part of the cycle then you might you know lose that verbal recall and have a dip in confidence have a dip in energy but if you're feeling completely the opposite a few days before then the tendency is just to beat yourself up for it and and think that there's a problem with you on some level so uh, I can't remember how I got onto that how did I get onto that I've no idea but there we go okay final oh, final sentence the best thing about my walk today has been I've really felt a deep appreciation for my upbringing and my family today, which is unexpected. Not because I don't feel that way about them. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> but I just wasn't expecting that to come up as I was going for a walk. And you know, I somehow ended up going down my mum's old road, which I don't usually do. It's not, you know, a stretch of Margate that I usually walk down. Um, so going there and just thinking about why I love walking so much and looking back on my childhood memories and the upbringing I had, 
and all the walks that I've done. So I just really feel that connection to where I've come from and the experiences that I've had in life. And yeah, it's been, it's been very moving to do this and very enjoyable. And yeah, thank you for a wonderful walk. Thanks for coming with me on the walk. I hope you've found it helpful and interesting. And yeah, thank goodness for walking. Oh yeah. Have you seen Peter? No? Okay, all right. All right, cheers. I just thought I'd pop into, after saying that to you, I thought I'd pop into my dad's local and uh, see if he was in there. I thought I was just thinking about upbringing, being with him, and uh, I just thought I'd pop in, give him a hug and say, I love you, Dad. <laughs> but it's a wee bit early for him to be in the pub, even for him. <laughs> Sometimes a good pair of footwear carries you on your daily walk and other times it leads you straight to your favourite cafe. So wherever you're heading today, our sponsor has a huge range of supportive trainers and practical apparel to accompany you. So before we dig into Maisie's answers, let's take a moment to hear from Sketches. Walk to Wellbeing is proudly sponsored by Sketches, the comfort technology company. Put a spring in your step with Skechers' range of comfort-boosting shoes, featuring the very latest walking technology. The new, lightweight, high-flex ArchFit range is designed to take great care of your feet, wherever your walk to wellbeing may take you. Over 20 years of data was used to create the amazing ArchFit cushioning insole, which provides complete foot and arch support. And now, you can add Skechers apparel to your walking wardrobe for ultimate all-day comfort. Shop the range online at sketchers.co.uk. That's S-K-E-C-H-E-R-S dot co dot UK, where you'll find thousands of shoes, boots, trainers, jackets, tops, leggings, activewear, and more to bring you and your family's style and support with every step. I loved listening to Maisie's walk today. She described her surroundings so beautifully, I felt like I was walking through the seaside town of Margate right next to her. So I can't wait to hear what the team have to say about her answers. So this week I'm bringing back Laura, Ray and Camille from the health and wellbeing team. And so Laura, what did you think about Maisie's walk today? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked the way that she spoke about Margate and I felt like I'd had a little trip there myself. Um, actually, I, I went there last uh, September and it is a really lovely place. I see what she means about some areas being regenerated because uh, some places were slightly more rough around the edges than others. But but definitely the beach and everything is just beautiful. And um, what she was saying about being lured towards the horizon um, when she was pregnant with her son, I thought was like fantastic because I, I can I can appreciate that like cityscapes are great but there's nothing like that natural horizons there what did you think about you know how what she said about um she's a kind of a more of a tree person but and she still likes the beaches and 
and stuff for the walks but really she loves the the trees more yeah I thought that was uh, really fascinating and and for me personally um I think the most fascinating thing of all was her honesty about because she's neurodiverse the impact that actually things like the wind um have on her I just thought was such a wonderful insight uh, and it was just really really interesting to hear somebody else's experience mm. of something that of course I personally just take for granted, I absolutely adore the wind, uh, love being in the wind. Mm -hmm. uh, and just to hear um, something so very, very different, someone else's perspective on that, and therefore why that means that she actually prefers that sort of slightly more sheltered, woodlandy mm. sort of environment, not only felt like it was really uh, useful, just a nice little reminder that everybody experiences things differently, and that sometimes we don't actually know what people's experiences in the moment might be, but also that it just helped make sense. Of course, you would love being in those rather more sheltered woodland areas and they'd be extra special as a result, maybe because they feel that little bit safer, um, whilst at the same time, obviously appreciating things like the horizon too. So I, I found it fascinating. How about you, Ray? Uh, anything particularly jump out for you? Yeah, I also found that insight really, really fascinating. Um, I learned actually the the cathedral effect. Um, I hadn't heard of that before until Maisie mentioned it. And um, yeah, it really makes a lot of sense. You know, that feeling when you walk into a beautiful cathedral and yeah, the high ceilings just really inspire this sense of freedom. And I thought that was really beautiful comparing that to to the to the sky and the feeling of, of being on a walk. Um, I also... Uh, really enjoyed when she mentioned around how she regulates her nervous system um, through different practices. And she mentioned that she uh, squeezes her hands together, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and I wondered if you guys have any particular practices that you do that uh, regulate your nervous systems? Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I have a few things. Uh, one of which is is not that dissimilar to um, sort of squeezing hands together. But sometimes if I'm feeling a little bit uh, anxious or nervous about something, I might actually screw my toes up in my shoes. And mm. it, it seems to just help bring me back into the space and just remind me that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm here and I can I can kind of control what's going on. Uh, so I sometimes use that one. It's especially helpful, I find, on Teams calls because no one can see what's <laughs> going on with your feet. So uh, it's a really useful one. And, of course, the other one that I, I use where I can is simply connecting mm. into a, a nice deep breath just to sort of stabilize myself uh, again. So I'm sure most people are aware with that one of that one, but the profound power of a couple of nice deep long breaths on our autonomic nervous system cannot be understood. Stated. So uh, it, it is um, another one that I use where I can, where I think no one will notice if I'm taking <laughs> big deep breaths. Uh, sometimes it's easier than others. Yeah, I listened to a health podcast the other day and it was talking about the power of breath work and how that can really help you to relieve stress. And basically the notion is that you breathe in through your nose as much as you can. And then right at the very end, you kind of take like one more and then that seems to really kind of like regulate your nervous system and try and calm you down. And the interviewer actually pointed out that that's actually perhaps quicker than taking, you know, 10 deep breaths or five deep breaths, or even, even just telling someone to actually calm down, um, which I thought was, um, and I've, I've used that, um, a few times actually, and it, I can, uh, 
I can support that and think that it does work. And kind of also reminded me of what um, Maisie was saying when she um, kind of like lets all of her emotions come and I feel like she treats all of her emotions quite equally as well you know um whether it's um happiness or sadness or joy or stress you know she kind of lets them come and because I think a lot of time we spend suppressing our our emotions for sure yeah I, I really liked what she was saying about that I thought it was so interesting to say that you know she just lets the emotions come up as they as they arise and not judge herself or criticize herself for it. Mm. Um, and I wonder if that's part of her work that she, she seems very accepting of herself and, and her feelings. And maybe it's, you know, she's more aware of the kind of transient nature of her emotions throughout her cycle. She may just think, Oh, I'm feeling anxious today, but that's because I'm here in my cycle or, or whatever that might be. Um, so it's a really nice way to, to look at it rather than thinking, oh, you know, I'm anxious again. Why am I always like this? And then you kind of go into negative spiral. Yeah, absolutely. For me, when I started tracking my cycle, it completely changed my life. Um, I, I began doing it after coming off the pill and it was like a revolution for me um, in realizing that um, at every point of my cycle, I can embrace how I'm feeling without judgment. Um, and honor honor my cycle and honor the ebbs and flows that it brings. So I found, yeah, a lot of inspiration in what Maisie was saying um, around that. And yeah, I, I agree, Daniela. Yeah, and I just thought it was such a, a lovely, so lovely to hear someone talking with such complete respect and compassion for themselves mm. and really highlighting what wonderful things can come when you uh, respect and understand your own natural rhythm, you know, whether that's the feminine with all of the hormonal changes that, that we have as, as women, or, or indeed anybody else, it's just the natural rhythms and the cycles that each and every one of us go through. And that if we can only allow ourselves to acknowledge them, um, recognize what they are, and then fundamentally respect that and be kind to ourselves, that actually there is so much more that we can be. And, and I think that stems into that comment she made about, you know, the more you are able to slow down, the more you are able to speed up. And for me, it felt like those two are fundamentally interlinked. The kinder she could be to herself, the more herself she was able to be. And I guess that's an invitation that, that potentially each and every one of us could choose to mm. take for ourselves, which just felt so lovely to be reminded of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved what she was saying about how there's, um, we often think that there's some place over there in the future, you know, if I can just do this thing, or if I just change that about myself, then I'll feel better or, you know, life will be better. Um, I think it, it's a trap that a lot of us fall into. You sort of, you so you, you're on that treadmill and you're kind of just like, oh, if I just keep doing this and doing that, then at that point I'll feel happy. But it doesn't always happen. It's a bad way to live like that, isn't it? Because then you're, you're never in the present. You don't appreciate where you're at right now. Yeah, totally. I think that's a theme that um, a lot of our other guests have picked up on as well, you know, like, like what you said, Laura, it's being on this kind of like hamster wheel constantly, you know, oh, I'll be happy when, mm. or, you know, yeah, you know, when I buy that thing or when I get that promotion or when I meet that partner, whatever it might be. And actually chasing that happiness element might not actually exist or rather, you know, like the big complete 
packaged versions of happiness might not exist. And actually it's about those kind of like little moments that you're able to acknowledge and be, be really self-aware of. And I think that's what Maisie did incredibly. Oh, and another thing I really liked, I mean, I will definitely be taking her relationship advice on board. I thought that was just like such an <laughs> obvious thing that you might not really recognize, but you know, when you are out on a walk, you're obviously physically forward facing rather than perhaps being front on with someone. And perhaps there's that idea that you are physically looking out towards in the open and you feel more open and honest. Yeah, Danny, I thought that was uh, such a wonderful reminder as well. And, and I think, well, especially for myself, I know that when I need to talk to someone about something that where I feel especially vulnerable, actually not having to look at them directly makes all the difference. This is somehow like if I know they're looking at me, the, the words just won't come because I just feel excessively vulnerable. Whereas walking side by side, where I know I'm not actually directly in their gaze allows me to perhaps say things that otherwise, from my perspective, might be completely unthinkable. Not because they're terrible things to say, but because they're windows to my inner world that I'm not very comfortable with sharing with other people, but that conversation needs to happen. So again, I completely agree. Such a lovely thing to be reminded of and the enormous power of doing that when we are perhaps benefiting from a cathedral effect and having that different perspective because we're out uh, outside and we've got a bigger horizon reminding us that there's a whole world out there and we're just, you know, an element of that. We're part of it. And it's there's more on the horizon potentially from these kind of conversations. Just lovely. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think if if you've got any sort of nervous energy or something, uh, you know, uh, when having a tricky, tricky conversation, um, uh, the fact that you're actually walking and moving your body, I think that just dispels some of that nervousness as well. So maybe what your your choice of words are, are better as well. Maybe you don't get as angry and stuff when you're out on a walk. I suppose you're in a public place as well, so there's only uh, so much anger you can display. <laughs> Fair point, Laura. And would I be right in having a distant memory? This is maybe a theme that uh, one of our other guests has picked up on before in the past. Oh, yeah, that's right. So it was Julia Samuels, wasn't it? Yeah, I couldn't remember who it was. My memory is terrible for these kind of things. So, uh, yeah, but I had a faint memory that perhaps somewhere we had had this theme uh, touched upon before. Um, so, yeah, it's just nice to hear it from, again, a, a very different perspective. But a nice reminder. I remember listening to that episode and I think she was saying that um, her and her family, they do that if they have need to have like a, a discussion rather than sitting around the table where you're mm. all facing each other, they mm. go out on a walk, which I thought was a lovely idea. That's so lovely. Yeah, fantastic. Laura, which rich episode was it? It was back in season one, wasn't it? Yeah. Um I think it might it was one of the early ones, like episode two, I think. Ah, okay. Episode two. Yeah. I I really need to go back and re-listen to that one because I remember really enjoying it at the time. Thanks for that. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of taps into that um, verbal recall that Maisie was talking about. Um, I've never heard of that before, but then kind of came to the conclusion that I feel like I have that every day. Like I <laughs> struggle to get my words out every day. Um, <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I was very reassured to hear about that because uh, after I had my children, I remember just having zero brain. <laughs> and, and still to this day, I get really embarrassed by the fact that I can... I can know somebody's name. I know I know it. But in that precise moment, I cannot access the pathway that tells me what their name is. Yes, I do the same. Honestly, it's so embarrassing. That's the worst feeling. Uh, but yes, I'm, I'm now going to go, sorry, hormones, people. Uh, and because I'm fully menopausal, <laughs> so I've got no brain left uh, uh, at all. But um, that is <laughs> definitely going to be a thing. I just remind myself, that's 
that's what it is. Hopefully it's nothing else. It's simply, yeah, one of those hormonal days where I, I don't have easy access to uh, some of the pathways that, you know, we're all so reliant on, aren't we? Those memory pathways that allow us to string sentences together coherently. And yeah, <laughs> knowing that sometimes that won't, won't work as well as it might do. It's enormously reassuring to me. <laughs> so thank you, Maisie. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, because also she didn't judge herself for, you know, forgetting the those things either, which I thought was really nice. That she she kind of found it quite amusing and she seemed very comfortable with the fact that, you know, when she was talking about Dreamland and, you know, she's like, oh, what's the name of what is it? Is it oh, an amusement park. And I, I was like, oh, I do that all the time. Yeah, she made me feel so much better because it's like mm -hmm. you're saying, Cammy. you know, you see someone, you know, you know their name and you're just like, it's just gone blank. I just can't, I just can't access it at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I think that links back to where she was talking about perfectionism and she mentioned how you, uh, you have to fail your way there. So like the quickest way to get to where you're going is to embrace your failures and to uh, let yourself do things imperfectly. Um, and that really made me think about my yoga practice and my experiences with yoga and how um, over the years I will have, and I'm sure all of you have as well, like compared yourself to others in, in the room and you know, felt a bit inferior if there's somebody doing some kind of crazy headstand or um, something that you physically can't do. Um, and when I actually took my yoga teacher training, uh, I really, I really experienced a lot of that um, and learning how to embrace uh, my imperfections um, and to accept where I'm at and uh, also to celebrate failure as progress. Um, I think is really, really important. Yeah, that was really powerful, Ray. And I think one of the things that I admired most about Maisie was how authentic she was. Um, I know she made it very clear that she had kind of like struggled with that in the past, but the whole compare and despair thing really doesn't do anyone any, any favours. So when she said healthy is to me, um, being at home in her own body, um, I thought that was just, that really spoke to me and that will definitely be my takeaway. Oh my goodness, yes, Danny. And I, I think for me, um, what really struck me was that the the real beauty, the, the really amazing thing about humanity and, and, and being human ourselves isn't actually about being perfect and it isn't about things being perfect. It's about being authentic and and honest and true to ourselves and I think that will be the thing that I take away that that's what's really beautiful it's not that striving for the endlessly impossible it's actually being just exactly where we are and really appreciating that yeah I absolutely agree um my biggest takeaway um was when she said that by slowing down uh she feels more focused on who she is than what she's doing um, and I'm going to really try to practice that in my life. Yeah, my key takeaway is to not judge myself um, based on my emotions. Um, I'm inspired by um, Maisie to just let myself feel all the feelings and um, just let those bubble up as they as they come and go and, and not try and analyse them too much. Yeah, and so whether you're feeling joyful or a little down today, know that that's okay to feel all the feelings just like our guest today. So thank you to Maisie for taking us on your beautiful beach walk. But I loved chatting to you all today. So a huge thanks from me to you, Ray, Laura and Cami, and of course, to our compassionate and wise guest, Maisie Hill. Most important of all though, thanks so much to you for listening. 
If this is the first time you've joined us, there are plenty more episodes you can subscribe to and download. But if you've been with us from the beginning, thank you so much for coming with us and our fabulous guests on their walk to wellbeing. And so until next time, from me and the whole of the health and wellbeing team, stay well and see you soon. Before you unlace your trainers, we've got an exclusive health and wellbeing magazine subscription deal for you, our lovely Walk to Wellbeing listeners. Head to giftstoyou.com forward slash apod2, that's A-P-O-D and the number two, to get three issues for just $9.99, saving you over 25% and delivered straight through your front door too. The link is in the description of this episode to make redeeming this fantastic offer simple and easy. Remember to share your walk with us on social media using the hashtag walk to wellbeing and you can even download exactly the same list of questions you heard our guest chat through earlier in the episode. You could record your very own walk to wellbeing episode and we'd absolutely love to hear it. For all the details, head to this episode's description and we hope you enjoyed strolling with us today.